Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. This is, um, I was just recording the intro to this there and, and I couldn't say hello properly or it didn't sound right. I was like, hello, hello, how are you, hello? And then finally I learned how to say hello again, but for about a minute I couldn't say the word hello without it sounding not like the word hello. Is it, I mean, should I be worried about that? Or is it just a consequence of, of being tired? I mean, I got up at, I don't know what time it was this morning, 5.30 in the morning? And now it's well, it's only 10 to 5 in the evening, and I've had a slice of bread just a few minutes ago, so I should be refueled. I should be charging with energy because the bread had cheese and bacon in it. It's good bread. I'll give you the recipe one day if you're nice. But uh, no, here I am, and I seem to be able to speak properly. So it's been a quiet week. It has. Uh, the the win against Crystal Palace sucked the life out of everything. There was nothing doing all week long because, well, it was pretty uneventful, routine, almost. The most exciting thing about it, I guess, was the fact that Alan Pardieu, he wanted Francis Coquelin sent off for a number of fouls. But look, you know, what Alan Pardieu wants and what Alan Pardieu gets, they should be very, very far apart in pretty much every circumstance. If he goes to the car dealers and says, I want a brand new red car, they should give him a really old blue one, just because. If I could pick one superpower, apart from flying or being invisible, they'd be my first two picks. My third pick would be the ability to inflict on other people the thing which is most annoying to them at any given moment. So let's say there's somebody who is my my sworn enemy, my nemesis. I don't know who that is. They're out there. They have to be out there. Everyone's got one, along with a doppelganger and an actor or actress that looks somewhat vaguely like them. So whoever my nemesis is, if you're out there, if you're listening, because you could be, that would be a great way of keeping tabs on, on what, your, what your enemy is up to, isn't it? Listen to their podcast. I don't know if my nemesis has a podcast, but maybe I'm not identifying yet. But look, the point is, if my nemesis was there, and let's say his most annoying thing in the world was the sound of people eating. You know that? Whether it's chewing, whether it's smacking their lips, whether it's crunching, whatever it might be, or people who, who, when they take a bite of food, also seem to take a bite of the fork as well. So there's this kind of enamely, metallic clinking sound as well. Oh, it's terrible. But anyway, so let's say that that's his worst thing. 
most annoying thing, and certainly not mine or anything like that. So he'd be in a restaurant, he'd be out with this girl that he's trying to impress. He's, uh, you know, trying to be all smooth and the guy. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I inflict my power on him and all he can hear are the other 75 people in the restaurant crunching and munching and smacking and slurping and all that. That would be amazing. He'd go bananas. He'd go crazy. So that's kind of what my superpower would be apart from flying or or uh, being invisible. And I'd, I'd also do that to Alan Pardew quite a lot. Not make him hear the sounds of people eating, but he would obviously want his, his Crystal Palace team to do things, and I would make them do the opposite things that he wanted them to do. And eventually he would just go crazy on the sidelines. We know what he's like. He's got a short fuse. He headbutted someone the uh, last season, didn't he? He gave him a little bit of a wasn't really a head, but he just sort of rolled his head into him. But, you know, he's got a short... I could easily drive him to the point where he strangles a linesman or something like that. So I'm not quite sure why I'm talking about this now. Um, oh, yeah, Francis Coquelin. Francis Coquelin did some fouls and Pardew went mad and, and uh, it went off on a little tangent from there. Anyway, speaking of uh, nemesis is, is uh, namel gangers and doppelgangers and, and all that kind of stuff, I did receive email for uh, the other Andrew Mangan. I think it's the one that's in Colorado. He's written a story and uh, the professor or whoever it was that he sent it to sent it back to me. Well, not sent it back, but sent his critique back to me. I was like, um... Thanks, but I didn't write this story. You probably want to send it to the other guy who doesn't know what his own email address is. I won't tell you what he said about the story. He quite liked it. He said, he said, what did he say? You are clearly a talented writer, and I hope we see more from you in the near future. That's pretty promising, you know. So rock on there, other Andrew Mangan in Colorado. Keep that writing going, and, and uh, he wants to see more from you in the future. That could be tomorrow, could be months from now, could be years from now. can take a while to make the breakthrough as a writer, let me tell you. But keep it up there. I believe in you, other me. I do. So what have we got for you on today's uh, Arscast? We have got stuff and things, both of them. In a few moments, I'll be talking to Philippe Claire about stuff. And later on, all going well. Ahead of the game on Monday against the Mug Smashers, I will be talking to the Mug Smasher about things. The show is also brought to you today by PredictThe6.com, where you can win £10,000 with just £1. You can get details of that a little bit later on. I'll give you the winner of the competition from last week. That was a HD metal print from our friends at Canvas Art Rocks. I'll also do another competition where you could win some Arsblog merchandise. You've got a couple of T-shirts to give away um, and uh, all the usual bits and pieces of waffle and stuff that happens uh, between now and the time that I turn the mic off and decide that I've had enough of talking into a microphone for one week until I do it all again tomorrow. So lots going on. So let's get on with it. I think we should. So let's start by welcoming an old friend back to the Arscast to discuss all the bits and pieces from this week and maybe even some transfer news as well. I should ask him about Karim Benzema. Maybe he knows something. Maybe he knows a man who knows something. You never know. So let's do it. Let's talk to uh, Philippe Auclair. Hello there. Hello, Andrew. Um, let's talk very quickly to start with about Crystal Palace. The, there was big pressure on the team to respond to what was a very disappointing opening day of the season. Uh, interesting that the manager, who 
was trying to do something a little bit different with his team in terms of the setup in midfield, reverted yeah. to what worked last season with Ramsey on the right, Coquelin and Cazorla more central, and the the performance w- was greatly improved. Yes, I mean, it's not exactly rocket science. I think that um, in the, on the first weekend of the season when we saw... Uh, well, how Cazola had been sidelined really um, by putting by being lined on the side. Uh, <laughs> um, we, I think we, many of us just were wondering what exactly uh, Wenger was playing at. If he was trying to find a place for Ramsey at all costs, almost. And uh, I think he's seen the light, or he's realised what we all knew is that um, what worked. Uh, there's no reason to fix something that isn't broken, and. The partnership and relationship, which worked so well between Coquelin and Cazorla, was restored and hey, uh, made it made, made a big difference. Perhaps not as big a difference as had as big an impact as Alexis' start to to the game, mm. which that of a very very hungry man uh, who's been fasting for a very long time and suddenly sees the plate of the most delicious food put in front of him. He was absolutely everywhere, um, but that that certainly will help. Even though um, I think it highlights one thing, Andrew, is that when we all had, I think, uh, our hearts in our mouths when Francis Coquelin was fouling consistently uh, in front of the referee and we thought, well, if he's sent off or he's got to be replaced, who's going to play in his position? And we don't have a like-for-like for him, in a way. No, we don't, but Mikel Arteta came on and, and did a very good job, he I think, did, on, in the last a, 15 minutes. He did a decent job, absolutely. Mm. He did a decent job, but he's not... Um, uh, he doesn't snap at uh, at um, other players like um, Coquelin does. Sure. When he snap, I mean it in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, he's less dynamic. He doesn't quite have... His range of passing is also quite different. Arteta is Mr. No-Nonsense. He never tries the kind of 35-yard passes that Coquelin has been... Um, well, believes he's able to deliver <laughs> sometimes uh, against his better judgment. But he, uh, he is a better passer than people give him credit for. I know against West Ham that his range was off, and, and that was true of many of the players in the team. But, you know, if you go back and look at some of these compilations, he is capable of, of spraying oh, yeah. these passes around the pitch. There was one in particular to Ramsey in the in the Palace box. It was sort of uh, drilled over the defence. It was, uh, like, perfect. So he is capable well, I, I of agree that. With you. I, I agree with you. It's just it, it, the radar was not quite properly um, tuned that particular day because I rem- even in the Community Shield I remembered three, four passes which were really excellent I mean um, accurate, fast um, and uh, with real intent mm. and I, mean, I don't mean that he shouldn't be doing it all but that he sometimes when his game is not quite on which was the case against Palace uh, he tends to overdo it a little bit but he'll learn, he'll learn about that but mm. again you, know, you talk about Mikel Arteta um, is he what you would think cover for uh, Francis Coquelin? I don't quite think so. Um, I mean, this is one area in which I think the club could do with maybe a bit of reinforcement, but there you go. We might come back. We'll come back to that, actually. I just wanted to just stay on the midfield thing for mm. for a moment. Do you, I mean, do you think that Ramsey on the right with Coquelin and Cazorla doing what they do and, yeah. and forming this kind of quite strange but effective partnership in there, that the yeah. two of them seem to, to bring out the best of each other. Yes. I mean, is this a long-term 
vision for, for the Arsenal midfield. I mean, you get the sense from preseason that Arsene Wenger really wanted to move Ramsey back into the centre because mm. he's probably better in there. That is his best position. It's where he wants to play. He is one of the best players in the squad. But equally, he's capable of doing a very good job from the right-hand side. So are we looking at him perhaps being... I think he's technically better, but perhaps a Ray Parler kind of player in a team where you've got, you know, this left-hand side, um, which is sort of the Overmars Perez kind uh-huh. of thing. Yes. Well, that, that's an interesting comparison. But of course, um, I think if that were the case, you know, uh, Wenger would have to revert to a four-four-two, which I think is unlikely. Mm. I think we're stuck with a four-two-three-one for quite a, quite a while. But the other thing is that I, I, I personally am not one of, um, I wouldn't say I'm not one of Ramsey's greatest fans. I, I, I do like him and rate him very highly. Uh, but I, I can't help thinking that in this kind of configuration, in the 4 3 one um, certainly when it is up to Arsenal to create something, I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is for me a far more natural choice on the right of these three behind Olivier Giroud, or mm. the main striker. Um, and I, I think Ramsey is, in a way, a, a problem player <laughs> because you certainly don't want, especially after the magnificent performance that he had against Palace, you don't want to to move Ursil from um, his, his spot as, as a playmaker, as a genuine number 10, who sometimes actually goes on the left as, as well. I mean, he's given the freedom. Alexis is obviously completely unimpeachable, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, and, and up front, we all know that apart from Giroud, uh, what do we have? We have perhaps Danny Welbeck when he comes back, and we have Theo Walcott, who strangely enough is hardly involved at all uh, after signing an absolutely massive contract. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I think it's a question maybe of perhaps rotating the squad a bit more than has been the case last season. You remember, Andrew, that uh, I think for the first time since the 1990s, um, Arsenal played with the same lineup uh, six games or seven games consecutively in the in, yeah. in championship, which is quite extraordinary given the uh, you know the, the physical demands of, of the Premier League, uh, and especially towards the end of the season when you would expect the players to start to show um, a little bit of tiredness. But no, he kept putting the same team on and on every weekend. Um, so you would imagine that with the glut of games coming our way, um, that might be a bit more rotation than we saw towards the end of last season. And of course, with uh, when we talk about that, there's another player as well um, who's currently injured and, you know, who, who could play there, which is Jack Wilshere. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a tricky one, this. Uh, and I have to say, I think in, in, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm right, Aaron Ramsey to me seems to be a bit like the, an odd, oddly shaped piece of, of the puzzle. Whereas when you see the Cochrane Casola relationship, as you were saying, for reasons beyond our understanding, um, is working very, very well. They seem to complement each other very well. And, and Santi, I think, is absolutely wonderful in this deep-lying role. And um, you have to say as well that Santi is two-footed mm-hmm. um, and genuinely two-footed, which Ramsey is not. Not quite to the level of Santi Casola. It's true that very few people are, which in this kind of position is a huge advantage. Because one of your main uh, uh, jobs is to actually give an orientation to the to the play, um, you know, go in the middle, go left, go right, whatever. And and Santi can do that from almost any position um, in in the midfield. Ramsey, I don't think is quite as creative as that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that he has in Casola perhaps hasn't got or or had, and Casola hasn't got, is this uh, instinct for for the goal, and the you know all these goals, important goals that he's come up with. 
Um, a dimension perhaps which was more prevalent in his game before he was injured, but he still has this sense of, um, the, you know, the, being there in the goal mouth, the, the runs from deep. He does that perhaps with greater impact than Santi does. I mean, it's it's a little, it's a very tricky one. This one. I've, I've always thought that Ramsey was, when he's playing in the middle, as you say, you know, he can look absolutely superb. Um, but if you do that, you sacrifice an awful lot of creativity. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have to take Santi Casola out of the team or put him on the left, no, I don't think that, that that's right. Mm. So look, you, you touched on something there that I was going to ask you, where we've got Aaron Ramsey being selected on the right-hand side. We've got mm-hmm. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as the the next man um down, if you like, because when when Coquelin came off and Ramsey moved central, we had Oxley Chamberlain put on the right hand side. Um, he having an impact, by the way. Theo Walcott, though, must be sitting there going, "Well, what's going on here? I did sign a brand new contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was given a start in the Community Shield up front yep. after starting in the FA Cup final up front, and." Here he is again, his position on the right-hand side, the one that he spent most of his Arsenal career in. The manager seems to prefer prefer other players. And if, if Danny Welbeck was fit, for example, he could also be somebody who, who provides uh, competition for Walcott there. But Giroud is the man who's being preferred up front. He scored a fantastic goal against Palace. He's obviously going to start injury-permitting against, against Liverpool. So where does this lead Theo Walcott in terms of um, his position in the squad and uh, in the team. To be honest, I'm, w- I'm wondering if he's looking at the fixture list, fixtures list and looking at the the league cup uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, maybe it's a bit tough for me to say that. By the way, against Liverpool, I don't think that um, putting Theo Walcott would be necessarily a bad idea against a, a central defence composed of Lovren and, and Schertel. That's personal point of view. I think physically, Schertel can deal with Giroud. It's, it's rather very quick players, movement players who are constantly looking for movement and speed, uh, like Walcott. That, that he has more problems, but that's um, perhaps that's beside the point. Uh, I'm like you. I'm a bit. I'm a bit non. I wouldn't say nonplussed. I'm. I don't quite see um, the shape of um, what shape um, Theo's future at the Arsenal will take. Um, I find it difficult to believe that he would establish himself as the number nine of choice for Arsene Wenger ahead of Olivier Giroud. I don't think that would be the case. Mm-hmm. There will be there will be circumstances in which he will be preferred, just as he was in the FA Cup final or as he was uh, in the Community Shield. It makes an awful, awful lot of sense when you've got as slow a central defence as Chelsea's to get, have somebody like Walcott, who uh, perhaps was not at his most um, efficient but certainly stretched them an awful lot when he was on the pitch. I mean, the, the, the way he was calling for the ball, they were, the, these runs were not at all the same runs that Giroud would have, would have made. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, he doesn't link a play as well as Giroud does, which, is, which he does, I think, magnificently. Mm. Um, so, and I'm like you, and on the right-hand side, um, I would imagine that Oxley chamberlain who's had a storming start, I mean, storming pre-season and start to the season, I would imagine that if he keeps fit, would, would be a far more logical choice. Uh, defensively, he, he offers more. Uh, he's more generous. Um, he's got also he's a better dribbler than Walcott. Walcott relies on his pace more than anything, and, yeah. and sometimes his first the ox, the, the ox is, is a genuine dribbler. Um, he's a tough guy too. I mean, he offers physical presence, which Theo does to a lesser extent, perhaps. And then you think, well, where else can you play? It? You're not going to play him out of position. It's either on the right wing or up front. Yeah. And um, well, 
Again, it will be horses for courses. What I'm hoping is that there will be far more turnover and that instead of having one formula which works, Wenger will actually come up with two or three or four, um, as you know, is the case in most other clubs competing at this level, where you have to, you know, to change sometimes a configuration. Mm. Um, and more by luck than by choice or luck or lack of luck because of the injuries. Last year, you know, such a combination was found, which was used again with success uh, at Selhurst Park and which again would probably be used uh, injuries permitting on Monday night against Liverpool. Mm. And it's true that you do not see really um, immediately, well, you can't see Theo Walcott having the role within the team that he wished he had. Sure. But uh, the, the, the fact that he's been given this new contract, £140,000 a week contract, four-year deal, which is, uh, you know, different from that last sort of mid-term, short-term deal that he signed uh, when everything was going crazy that time, it does suggest yeah. that the manager clearly has uh, oh, yeah. uh, clearly has faith in him as a player. But is there, you know, from an Arsenal point of view, and you talk about different systems and different ways that this team can play, um, uh, and we hark back a few minutes to talking about how we played the same team for six mm. games in a row, that there's a danger of becoming predictable, that you yes. you make yourself very obvious when you're going into the next game because they go, well, you know, this is the way they're going to play. This is how we stop that. So is it incumbent on Arsene Wenger to... Uh, to use the depth that is in this squad that that we've we've talked about a lot now uh, over the summer that the squad depth is there it's better than it has been for quite a while and we'll we'll touch on where it could be improved in a moment but to to find ways of moving it around to make the team less predictable and and perhaps more effective mm, yes absolutely um and uh, you you could i mean the problem is that we know that Wenger is very much a man who tends to stick to his guns in terms of uh, tactical systems. I mean, he's not a man of systems anyway. He's a man who believes in players improvising their way in in a framework that has been designed on a training pitch, mm. but he wants them to, to be imaginative. And if you're talking about unpredictability, uh, you will excuse me, but Theo is quite predictable. Um, he's far more predictable than Oxlade Chamberlain, for example. Sure. Is not at all the same kind of player, but there is room for him. He actually offers something completely different, which is raw pace. And also, as I said, perhaps we'll see far more of him um, in this number nine role. I mean, it might be that the grand plan is, I mean, I can't imagine Giroud and Walcott together as not something that, you know, 4 4 one, one or 4 4 two, I can't imagine that working. Mm. don't think you could either. So, uh, I'm... I'm, I'm puzzled. <laughs> you can hear it. I'm really puzzled because I can understand why also the club saying, well, we don't want to you know, lose a player who's been with us for so long. He's an English player as well. He's part of the core of the team. He's been for, for Yonks. He's a, he's a good teammate. He, he's, he's a good dressing room man as well. Uh, he's, he, he sees himself as an Arsenal man too. I can understand there's loads of reasons. And again, he does bring, you know, when you bring him on, you can change things. It's true that he's, when you look at the bench, you think, oh, yeah, well, if we use Walcott, we can actually change our game plan. And it's true also that Arsenal is is is, is predictable. But Arsenal has been predictable for how long, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's I could true. say, you know, even the 2001, 2000, the 1997-98 team was predictable. 
Yeah, you knew what but they were going to do. It was just the fact that they were, they, they were, were so good you couldn't stop you. them. <laughs> they were going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> so they were predictable in that in that matter. Uh, just as the, the, the this team is is predictable, like what happened against West Ham was in a way where you knew it was going to happen at some some point during the season. Mm. Happened the first day. Okay. Uh, so perhaps we're you know we're, we're done with that, um, but yes, it, it does bring an element of unpredictability, and it, uh, in terms of the, the change that uh, in in the way the team plays, which a company is being on the pitch rather than him being an unpredictable player, if you see what sure, I mean. Sure. So uh, it can bring that, but again, it's very early to say. I mean, it's only two two games into the season, two and a half, including the Community Shield. Uh, let's not forget that we're going to have you know, game after game after game, we're going to play three games a week for a while yeah. uh, when Champions League is upon us. That Arsenal being Arsenal, actually Arsenal be just being a normal football club, there'll be injuries, there'll be, you know, ways for him to to make his, his, his mark in the team one, one way or another. But sure. it has to be said that it's not, it's not an obvious one. It's not yeah. an obvious one at all. All right. Well, look, let's yeah. move on to uh, an area where perhaps you can be a little more definitive. <laughs> Maybe not, but we, we'll see. Um, <laughs> Arsenal in the transfer market have been relatively quiet and, and the transfer market itself has been relatively quiet this summer. Um, it, it feels like it might start ramping up a little bit but you know I think when we have Manchester United and, and Chelsea scrapping over Pedro who's a decent player but not player. Yeah, you know but look he's not the he's not the cream of the crop by any means um it suggests that perhaps things are are yet to get going Arsenal have been linked a lot with uh, Karim Benzema from Real Madrid yeah. um everybody's coming out and pretending that they know things about this or, or you know do you know anything that might be uh, of any interest to anyone or is this just <laughs> pure smokescreen what okay. is it i'll tell you um i was absolutely convinced that the whole story was um complete utter bullshit um as in karim benzema is a player who's been brought to Real Madrid by Florentino Perez, and Florentino Perez sees Karim Benzema almost as his own personal project. Mm. He's almost like teacher, teacher's pet. Uh, that's first thing. Second thing, you look at Real Madrid and you wonder, okay, uh, who can play up front? And you think, well, actually, not many players, right? So it means to sell him, they would first have to identify somebody who could replace him. Mm. How many strikers of this quality, even if I don't think that Karim Benzema is quite world-class, uh, but he's certainly international class. How many players of this in quality can you see on the market or who could be taken from the clubs they already are? You look around and you think there are very, very few indeed. Mm. Uh, hardly any. So you think, would they get rid of a player? Do they need the money? Well, not really. Um, will they, would they lose a player who you know has such a good relationship with Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the way that he accepts Ronaldo to take, you know, the the glory. Mm. Um, and he put all this together and said, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, why would they do that? It's not as if they were forced to sell him. Now, it could be that the player was agitating for a move. Do you know many players who have agitated for a move after being starters for Real Madrid? Um, I can't think of a single one. But, and this is the but, okay. I heard a few things on the grapevine later on 
which indicated that there had been some kind of contact. Now, up to which level, I don't know. I certainly don't believe that an agreement has been has been signed or even uh, that an agreement has been found. I don't think it's going to happen, but I am pretty sure that, yes, there was at one point certainly a, a little bit of fire to justify all the smoke we've had to inhale over the past two months. <laughs> and do you think, um, I'm interested to, to hear you say that you don't think he's world-class. No. Is he worth the investment and it would be a considerable investment, you know, people talking 40 to 50 million pounds. Yeah. We're well, talking an be- Arsenal transfer record. Mm. Is he the, the guy who can make the difference between Arsenal winning the title and not winning the title? And and in light of what you were saying about your concerns about having cover for Coquelin, should that mm. be the area that Arsenal look at more closely, given that they do have strikers at the club um, if Benzema is not this big, big upgrade on what we've already got? Well, you have to think of several things. First of all, uh, Olivier Giroud is staying and you think of the Giroud-Benzema relationship with the French national team. Everybody who follows Le Bleu will tell you it's not working, right? So it's one or the other, it's not both. It doesn't work. Do they have any issues off the off the field as far as I, we know? Or? I'm, I'm not aware of that. I think simply it's a completely different approach. I mean, um, I mean, they, they, their games just don't dovetail. That's yeah, sure. to, that sometimes happens. And the other thing is that Benzema has a tendency to um, to to leave his line as well. I'm not sure that he offers the uh, sort of target that perhaps. Arsenal needs in the part in, in the configuration it has at the moment. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a very, very, very fine player. Heaven knows that mm. he's given so so many examples. But I've always been a little bit frustrated with him because it's it, it's uh, I you know if you tell me okay uh, regardless of his personality, um, you tell me Luis Suarez would he make a difference? I would say yes. With Luis Suarez, Arsenal would be champions, no problem. Mm. Um, with Conagüero, would they be champions? Probably. Uh, with Thomas Müller, well, perhaps yes. With Karim Benzema, mm, they've got maybe a slightly better chance with him than without him mm-hmm. uh, than they have at the moment. But I don't think it's the game changer. I, I genuinely don't think it's the game changer. Uh, I mean, uh, if it happens, and you know, even if I think it, it does, won't happen, I, I hope it works. But I... <sighs> Wenger absolutely loves him. I mean, he loves the way he plays. It's true that he's technically superb. But there are other players, perhaps, which Wenger is, is, is looking at. I mean, I'm, uh, I think if you're looking at French players, I think Nibel Fekir is one that uh, I would have a very, very good look at if I were, if I were him. <laughs> uh, at an he's a super player. He's not world-class. I don't know. I mean, world-class, how many world-class players are there in, in the world? I mean, five, six, something like that? That's the thing. Would, would he have his place in the starting eleven of you know the world football? And the answer is no. Of course not. He wouldn't have his place in the starting eleven. Would he have a place in the, on the bench? Maybe he would be fighting for a place on the bench. But I'm, I'm not even sure of that. Maybe he would be in the B team. Um, it's not. You know, I, I don't think that he is. I mean, he's very good. Please, Benzema lovers, don't don't take what I say to you know. It's not. I would say seriously, but don't take it too harshly. So that I'm not saying he's poor player i'm saying he's not quite as good as some people say he is sure so in the context of that Hmm. um if arsenal were to strengthen in the central midfield area 
that you yeah. have concerns about having cover for Coquelin, having somebody who can do what Coquelin can do, or perhaps if that player was available, Let's- somebody who could come in and and do more than Coquelin does, who could who could almost be like a Coquelin Arteta hybrid, where you've got the, the <laughs> dynamism of Coquelin with the with the reliability and 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 that that sort of eye for a pass that Arteta has. Okay. Well, would that be the guy who could make the difference? If Arsenal can get more goals from Oxley Chamberlain, from Walcott, yep. from Danny Welbeck, but perhaps yes, I would. I would imagine so. Which is why I was, you know, I was hoping, perhaps against hope, as as Bayern were in the case that Arturo Vidal, for example, would um, would be coming to to the Emirates. At, at one point, there was talk of that. I thought, well, if that happened. Oh gosh, that would be a big statement of intent indeed, and uh, this guy would be in the starting eleven immediately. Um, uh, again, uh, the problem is that players of that type are not thirteen to the dozen on the market. No. It's very strange. I mean, it seems, you know, I'm almost, almost bouncing on what um, uh, on what Wenger was saying the other day is that for some reason we seem to produce attacking midfielders galore, and other positions seem to be really problematic. You know, I mean, hardly any central defenders, proper defensive midfielders, and strikers. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And, and and again, yes, I think it would make a big difference. But um, who, you know, what are you looking for? A player, Marco Verratti, for example. Well, you know, you're not mm. going to get him. Um, a player, well, Sami Khedira has gone. Um, uh, people have been talking about uh, William Carvalho. Um, yeah, you know, unknown or un. un- Proven, the, really. Exactly, the hipster's choice. But again, um, <laughs> uh, we've seen, you know, what... Uh, do you know, by the way, what William Carvalho uh, means in English? No, go on. It's Bill Oak. That's Bill his real Oak. Name. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bill Oak um, might be a very fine player, but uh, I don't think that the uh, Primera Liga, uh, Liga uh, Port- Portuguese League is exactly the place where you can... Well, um, judge for that. Uh, yeah. Witzel, perhaps, um, very good player. Um, but again, there aren't there aren't that that many. It is. It's 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 trying to find that um, that you know, diamond that, in the that's, rough, that's perhaps. Itself. Yeah, you've got to find somebody who's actually going to better the team. You know, there's absolutely no point collecting players. You've got yeah. to find somebody who's going to fit in, and somebody who's going to genuinely bring something to the table. And okay, uh, it might be. I mean, I'm probably forgetting the number of players. Um, but um, nobody springs to mind immediately who would who would uh, strengthen the team in that department. But there has to be. I mean, is it as well that Wenger is thinking of experimenting with Callum Chambers in that position? Uh, well, I, that would be a big risk, wouldn't it? I think yes, given I, the way that he played uh, against Southampton, and I, I think he mentioned that he was going to look at him as as part of the centre half group. So if they're trying to train him in in that area behind the scenes if they're doing work with him on the training ground as a center half it's difficult to see but he did he did mention chambers as a potential defensive midfielder when he yeah when he first signed it but look very quickly before we go uh your gut feeling on whether or not arsenal are going to do anything more in the transfer window before it closes i wouldn't be surprised if nothing else was um was happening i wouldn't be surprised unless something very unexpected happens just a serious injury um something of that kind um, or perhaps a, another club doing something which sparks a bit of a merry-go-round? 
Yes, perhaps. But um, what can I mean? I mean, yeah, I don't know what now. I'm just exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we are what with the 20th of August. Um, I think you know you were to, you were saying, Andrew, that you know the market has been pretty quiet. Not if you are Manchester United and Manchester City has been pretty, pretty. Uh, yeah, that's true. Pretty active, you know, and uh, you know, Tamendi is a great, great catch for Manchester City, even if they've paid an awful lot of money more than they should have for for, for him. But uh, uh, yeah, now there's been some movement. I mean, the one thing is that at least nobody's left, and almost uh, almost everybody, bar poor Jack, is is uh, is fit more or less, or close to fitness. So. Yeah. That's a huge, a huge change, which is why I, I said the other day when I was looking at the, um, the bench that Arsenal had both at, the, uh, at Wembley and in the first game and at Crystal Palace, this is probably the strongest bench Arsenal has had for a very, very long time, perhaps even 10 years. All right. Well, look, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll obviously wait and see. There's, uh, I think, yeah. uh, two weeks before the window closes. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Philippe Auclair, as always, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. My pleasure. If you're not already following Philippe on Twitter, come on, sort it out. He's at Philippe Auclair, at Philippe Auclair, and we'll catch up with him as the season goes on. Lots more still to come, including the winner of last week's competition from Canvas Art Rocks. It's a HD metal print that you can hang out in your garden and make your garden all Arsenal, or more Arsenal, depending on what you've got out there already. We'll have a new competition for you in which you can win some Arsblog goodies. Uh, We'll be chatting to the Mug Smasher and looking ahead to the game on Monday. That's all to come right after this. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, are you depressed and overweight? Then you need Uncle Andre's Slimming Powder. It's so good to make Boris' belly go down. I use many times to be fit for football game. Come on. Uncle Andre's Slimming Powder contains many amphetamines to suppress your appetite and to increase heart rate. He's fantastic. I am no longer fat and depressed. Okay, I'm still fat and depressed, but I'm rich from powder. Come on. And we're back with the competition winner from last week, uh, with thanks to our friends at Canvas Art Rocks, who gave us this uh, excellent HD metal Arsenal print that you can hang, well, you can hang it anywhere you like, but because it's HD and metal, you can put it outside on your, uh, you know, on your back wall or in, the, in, the, in your back passage. 
side passage might be a better place or, you know, at the patio or whatever you've got on your deck, near your deck, whatever. Whatever. You can make your garden, your outside, look all arsenally. And the question was about which of the things wasn't a metal, and the answer was mud. Mud was not a metal, but also a number of people, a surprising number of people, in fact, uh, told me that steel is essentially not a metal either because it's an alloy. And, of course, all of those people were instantly disqualified for being far too clever for their own good. I'm kidding. I I left them in, but thankfully one of those guys didn't win it. The winner was, uh, with thanks to the random number generator, it was Paul Stevenson. So well done to you, Paul Stevenson. You are the winner of that uh, HD metal print from Canvas Art Rocks. And if you want to get anything at all from the Canvas Art Rocks website, you can get yourself a 10% discount by using the code arsblog at checkout. That's canvasartrocks.com and use the code arsblog at checkout. A couple of uh, t-shirts to give away for you now. Uh, These are the arsblog t-shirts which uh, exist in the arsblog shop and if you don't know where that is, go to arsblog.com. Got that? Okay, go to arsblog.com. Scroll across the top until you hit shop Hover your mouse over that and go to T-shirts and mugs. Click on that and you will see a range of Arsblog T-shirts. All you have to do is email me at competition at arsblog.com and tell me which one of those T-shirts you'd like. This is fantastic because I forgot to do a question again and I've improvised a way around not doing a question at all. So that's it. Go to arsblog.com. Click on the shop link. Go to T-shirts and mugs. Have a look at the uh, range of stuff there. Tell me which T-shirt you would like and just email me competition at arsblog.com and... uh, I will announce two winners on next week's show. If you can't wait to get your hands on some of the Arsblog goodies that are there, you can get a 15% discount using the code Arsblog15. That's Arsblog15. We'll get you 15% off all the t-shirts and the sweatshirts. Uh, The other stuff, uh, the mugs and um, whatever else is there, they're not quite included in the discount at the moment. Uh, But t-shirts and sweatshirts, 15% off. Use the code Arsblog15. So uh, have a go at that. Right then, seeing as we're playing Liverpool on Monday. It's uh, that thing we have to do whenever we're playing Liverpool. They're the Mug Smashers, and you know we got to talk to to the Mug Smasher. So uh, here he is. Hello there. Hello there. Uh, how's it going? It's going quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Quite Good. well. Um, yeah. Not a lot. Not a lot to say other than that. It's yeah. going okay. Okay. I'm glad to hear. Do I need to elaborate? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. Good. It's a beautiful evening out there. It sure is. Before we talk about Arsenal against Liverpool, and I know it's very early in the season, can we laugh at Chelsea a little bit? Oh, absolutely. It's wonderful. I mean, I, yeah, nobody expected this, did they? No, Although I don't the, think so. The, you know, the fixture list has been tough on them, the first two. What was the first game? Swansea. Swansea. That's not that. They're good, but I mean, Swansea at home, you would expect you'd expect yeah. them to win. Yeah, true. But City was a tough game. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, yeah, laugh at them. Mm. Yeah, and John Terry in particular. Yeah, 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 and mo- but mostly Mourinho. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a spoiled kid that never learnt some of the normal life skills that everyone else in the world learns, like how to be a decent human, Not- how to how to treat people correctly. Mm. He's just a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. times. Good times indeed. Long may it last. Yeah. Yeah. Still uh, 36 games to go. Not a bad start to the season for you, for you lot, though. Yeah, two from two. Uh, you've moved your head and now the sun is straight in my face. Is it? Okay, yeah. I'll, let down the, I'll let down the blinds here. How's that? Well, it's all well and good letting them down. Oh, yeah. Now you've done that. Yeah. Well played. That's all right. What was the question? It was about your start to the season. Two wins from two. 
Well, two wins from two, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good, but we haven't been good. Who did you play on the first day? We played Stoke. Ah, yes, that was Coutinho's goal. That was Coutinho's goal. Mm, that was a good goal. It was a good goal, yeah. Yeah, it's a tremendous shot. I, initially, I thought the keeper could have done better, but uh, I don't think there's any stopping that. No. Uh, and then we played Bournemouth, and Bournemouth were a little unlucky. Although, having said that, we created all the chances and they didn't. But still, the goal, mm. the goal shouldn't have stood. Yeah. Um, but six points from six. Can't argue, really. No, and, you know, new players, I think five players made their debut, their home debut the other night. So, uh, there's, there's In, in the be, starting 11 or? No, over the course of the of the game. Right. Uh, that was some distortion, wasn't it? It was a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like me. No, you're usually the quiet one. I, um, yeah, oh, just over the course of the game. I'd love to give you more detail than that, but hey, fuck it. Yeah, I'm not paying that much attention yet. No, no, no. And what, what are your uh, what are your hopes for this new season? Are you are you thinking Liverpool can make top four? Uh, I mean, they they are my hopes. <laughs> that, that's it summed up. Yeah, yeah, make top four. But I don't know if we can. I don't know. Chelsea or City. Are, mm. be- are better Arsenal haven't really strengthened in any way apart from your goalkeeper yeah and you'd, the jury would still be out there on whether or not he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's strengthened yeah, shaky start but yeah. he hasn't or goalkeeper hasn't been your, your only problem for the last few years no um, yeah I don't know we'd have to take some someone out I don't see it being Arsenal so it would have to be United yeah unless Chelsea completely fall apart but I doubt they will I doubt that too, but I'd like it. Oh, I'd love it, yeah. Well, they bought Pedro today, so yeah, he'll make them slightly better, won't he? I guess so. I mean, he must be better than Cuadrado, and he must be better than Victor Moses. He, he's certainly better than Victor Moses. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be a parting of the ways there, I believe, between Moses. Yeah, that's terrible. I know. Get out. This is my office. Um. Yeah. What was I saying? We were talking about who's going to be better and who Liverpool might get into the top four ahead of. And well, I always wanted to be United, but that seems unlikely. Even though they're not playing very well, they they keep winning. Yeah, they're a bit jammy as well, weren't they, on the opening day, an own goal against Spurs, and then... Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah, they were really bad. And you know what, the, the goal against Villa was pretty fortunate as well. I mean, he kicked it straight at the keeper and it mm. took a deflection and went in the far corner, so... Mm. But six points from six, like Liverpool. Yeah, like Leicester, though, also. Yeah, true, true. They've been fun. Yeah. They've been great. Fun. They were good. Yeah. yeah. And Ranieri could be fun throughout this season, <laughs> no? Yeah, he's a great guy. I always liked him. He's kind of unfairly mocked. Yeah, probably because of his idiosyncratic language skills, you might say. Yeah. But he, he got called a tinker man, and he wasn't necessarily rotating much more than anyone else. Nor was he a tinker. <laughs> he's not. What about you? How do you feel about things and stuff? I don't quite know yet. It's still very early. I'd like us to sign another good player, you know? I think one more good player to give the squad a boost, whether it's a striker or whether it's somebody else, uh, I think would be a bit more of a statement of intent. You know, I like that we've kept everyone together, and this is the unusual thing for Arsenal, is that we haven't always been able to keep our best players. There's always been somebody leaving. It's only in the last couple of seasons that that hasn't hasn't happened. So I guess we see the benefits of that to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, I I can see how we could improve on what we did last season. But at the same time, I think if if we really want to go and win the title, I think we just need that little bit 
of an injection into the squad again, you know? Yeah, a striker. You think it would be a striker? I think so, yeah. Um, you have enough midfielders, you have enough creative players. Yeah, we've got a clutch of those. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I just spoke to Philippe Auclair and he was saying maybe, maybe Arsenal could do with more in, in defensive midfield in order to make that area of the pitch really solid and, and give us the depth that we require throughout the season because Coquelin will probably miss a few games here and there with suspension or injury or, or what have you. He can't, he can't play every game. No, he'll be suspended for sure. You can see that coming. Yeah. Uh, what, what about Arteta? He's just beyond it now, is he? I don't think so. I think he's still got a, a role to play, but I don't think, uh, for example, if Coquelin was going to be out uh, for three or four weeks or something like that, I don't think Arteta can play three games a week for you know, a month or, or, or six weeks like that, so... Yeah, well, I suppose you do need some depth there. Mm. I would say that striker is probably more important. Yeah. I'm not one of them that slates Giroud. I think he's a good player. Mm. Um, but you need alternatives to that. Welbeck. Theo Walcott is not the answer. And Welbeck doesn't appear to be either, does he? Mm, no. Jury's still out there again a little bit on him, so... Yeah. 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 It's, it's easy to read way too much into your first game of the season, though. Mm. Um, although it does look like all the old Arsenal failings, you're also capable of going on a 25-game run. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Early days. Early days. It, isn't it ridiculous that the game's on a Monday? I was just going to say that to you, that on Monday, you know, I'm sure all the guys in the Tollington would have loved to, to see you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always fun. For, for us. For you guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, but Monday night. So that's two weeks in a row Liverpool have been on Monday night. Yeah. And we've got Friday night football now. Well, there was only one game. But is that not happening throughout this season? No, there's no. only one game this season, but I think next season it's coming in. I heard someone talking about it recently mm. as part of the new TV deal. Yeah. Um, I'm not totally against Friday football. Could it be a good thing? Go from work, have a couple of pints, watch the game. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a more social... Maybe. Time to have football. Maybe we just need to get used to it. But you know. I mean, it's definitely better than Monday night. I totally agree with that. Yeah, totally totally ridiculous. Agree. Yeah, but hey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to go to the pub on Monday night now. Yeah. What a chore. Mm, it's a struggle. It really is. All right, give us a quick prediction, as always. Uh, Arsenal are going to win. You say that all the time. And nine times out of ten, I'm right. Let's hope you uh, keep up your outstanding record. Mm. Thanks, man. Good evening. Thank you, as always, to the Mug Smasher. He's a bit tired this evening. He's moving house, you see, so there's kind of a lot on. It's stressful, moving house. And, um, yeah, so we'll wait and see what happens then on Monday as we face the Mug Smashers. Hopefully we can do to them what we did to them last season. That was good. 4-1, 4-1? Yeah, 4-1, because they got a, was it a penalty or something? I can't remember. But anyway, we scored some great goals that day, and hopefully we can do likewise. Team news is there isn't really any team news. All the players that were out for the Crystal Palace game, uh, they're still out. Wilshire is closest to being back, but Rosicki, Welbeck, still out. Uh, and there are no new injuries. And I suspect we might see a team very, very similar to the one that played against uh, Palace. 
I don't think there's going to be any changes. Whether that makes us predictable or not, I don't know. But I think it was that game against Liverpool last season where Ramsey was first played on the right-hand side and he was he was really, really good that day. Really good. So hopefully he can do likewise uh, again on Monday night. But Monday night, it's like, oh, come on. We've got a whole weekend of like other people's football and not our own. And then it's like, oh, come on. I find Monday night football extremely tiresome. I don't mind it when it's there with other people involved, but when, when it's when it's us, no, don't like it. Don't like it. But hopefully the result will uh, will help ease the pain of that. Um, we will have an Arscast Extra for you on Tuesday because there's not much point in us doing an Arscast Extra on Monday. So uh, James and I will be here on Tuesday to discuss whatever happens in that uh, game on Monday night. All I can do in the meantime is wish you a very happy, uh, joyful weekend joyful weekend just have a nice weekend a good time whatever you're doing i hope you have a good time this weekend and we can uh, we'll we'll chat of course we'll, we'll, oh i nearly spilled my wine there holy shit um we will be uh, online of course we'll be uh, doing blogging and news and all that kind of stuff uh, so we'll catch you over the weekend on that but until we talk again next tuesday and until next week's arscast take it easy folks cheers bye-bye Welcome to Sky Sports News, the headlines this hour. John Terry hits back at Jose Mourinho after his humiliating substitution against Manchester City last weekend, telling reporters, if I'd wanted to be pulled off at half-time, I'd have given Wayne Bridge's wife a call. And Manchester United hit back at accusations they can't close a deal after Pedro signed for Chelsea. We weren't after Pedro at all, they said. It was Nedro. That's right, Nedro. You must have heard us wrong. First this hour, though, we've got breaking news. Sky sources tell us that Arsenal have made a £48 million bid for Real Madrid striker Karim Benzema. The Gunners have been linked with the French international throughout the summer and now it looks as if the deal could be going ahead. For more on this, we go over to our Spanish correspondent, Guillaume Balaguer. Guillaume, sorry, so, I'm sorry, just getting it in my ear here. We're going over to John at the Sky Bet office. John. Hello there, Chris. John, what can you tell us about this deal? Well, what I can tell you is that Sky Sources, who, as we know, are completely impeccable, have told us that the bid has gone in and Real Madrid are likely to accept it. So, based on that, we have made Karim Benzema even money to join 
Arsenal this summer, but you don't have any specific insight into this yourself. You you don't have any connections with either club. No, Chris, I just work in the Skybet office, and you can get a ten pound free bet with every five pounds that you put on. And with Arsenal, at even money now to sign Karim Benzema from Real Madrid. That could be a great place to start. John, is there a danger, perhaps, that people might see us running a story about a transfer and then urging people to go and bet money on that transfer? It looks a bit, you know, dodgy. Oh, Chris, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you there. I'm going to push the the, the Rupert button now. No! Because you know you're not allowed to talk about that. I'm I'm just saying that probably... Chris, Chris, I'm telling you, they're coming for you now. I've pushed it already. They're coming. It's over for you here now. I'd start running if I was you. I really would. Oh, fucking hell. Jesus. Still want that £10 free bet? I've got some nice watches here as well, if you like. Come on! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 